from KQED. In April of 2017, a 64-year-old San Francisco woman found herself in a place she'd never imagined. Sitting before a panel of three Guatemalan judges accused of child trafficking. Me llamo Nancy Susan Bailey. If convicted, Nancy Susan Bailey could spend the next 20 years in a Guatemalan prison. Reporter Maria Martin, living in Guatemala, got really wrapped up in the story of Nancy Bailey. Prosecutor Gord Rodriguez of the Guatemalan Justice Agency, the Ministerio Público, accused Nancy Bailey of being the head of a criminal organization designed to produce irregular adoptions in Guatemala. In other words, child trafficking. I love these kids so much. And to think that, I mean, human trafficking is such an awful, awful thing. And to be put into that category of doing that kind of thing to somebody and to a child was just, you know, beyond me. Beyond me. But after years of these awful accusations, when the trial began, Nancy Bailey was actually relieved. You'd been waiting for my day in court? Yes. I had been waiting for my day in court. And I've, I've almost seen it in the movies. I can't wait for my day in court. And I would think, that's so crazy, you know. Even though I had only been in the courtroom a very short time, which felt maybe like 10 minutes or so, I don't know, I just felt this amazing sense of peace. It was sort of like a combination of peace and adrenaline, where it was like, okay, now I'm going to tell you what happened, what really happened. And I'm going to tell you about me, because I think the judges need to know about me and why I came to Guatemala and what my work has been like. What had really happened? Why had Nancy come to Guatemala? And what had her work been? I'm Sandhya Dirks, and you're listening to Cued Up. And I'm Maria Martin. For the last 14 years, I've been living in and reporting from Guatemala. To understand how Nancy Bailey came here, you have to go back to California decades ago. Nancy Bailey grew up in Northern California, in Woodland, Fremont, and Half Moon Bay. She got pregnant in high school and dropped out. The man she married was abusive. After her divorce, as a single mom of two boys, she went back to school and eventually got her master's from Cal State East Bay. After her career in human resources and with her two sons in college, she felt a call to do something more. She traveled a lot. And then, almost 25 years ago, at the age of 38, she landed in Guatemala. I went to Guatemala in probably 1990 for the first time to visit. And when I came to Guatemala, it, it, I really had a sense of Guatemala being the place I, that I needed to be and that I, where I needed to help. So she stayed. She started volunteering in an orphanage run by local nuns. She thought she would do the work to help out the neediest of children. Maybe after a bit, she would keep traveling or go back to the States. But then one day, in 1995, a baby girl was brought to the convent and everything changed. Her father brought her to the orphanage. Um, She was four pounds and four days old. She was, you know, very, very sick. Um, And the nuns refused to take her because they said that she was going to die and that she would not... Um, and they didn't want to have problems. 
They didn't want to have problems with the Guatemalan government. So they refused to take her. And so when they refused to take her, her father asked if I would be willing to take her. And, you know, at that point it was like my life flashed before my eyes. Like I, <laughs> it was like a near-death experience, I think, for me. Because all I could think of was, I'm supposed to be an advocate for kids. And, but the reality is I've just finished raising my kids as a single mom. The thought of raising another child seemed overwhelming. Nancy Bailey made a quick decision, a decision that would change her life. She told the sick infant's father she would take the baby. She called her Gabriela, Gabby for short. And I took her home, took her to the doctor. The doctor said she wasn't going to survive, that she was very ill. Um, and most of it was just, you know, basic dehydration and she hadn't, she hadn't had any care in the, in the days that she'd been born. And she was only four days old, so she was very tiny and four pounds. So I, the doctor said, you know, you're going to end up in, in prison. And you're going to end up in jail because you're, you're taking, this, this, this baby's going to die and you're going to end up in jail. And um, the, the words have come back to haunt me, but my, word, my, my, my answer to him was, there's no better reason to go to jail than to having saved a child's life. Nancy Bailey fell in love with a baby named Gabby, and she decided two things. First, to adopt her, and second, to live in Guatemala while Gabby's adoption worked its way through the bureaucracy. I felt really strongly that I needed to stay. I needed to stay because I wanted Gabby to grow up in her country. But there was something else. Gabby had given Nancy a purpose, something larger than herself, even larger, perhaps, than her new daughter. I didn't want to take home my prized baby and leave the rest of the Gabbies behind because I knew that Gabby wasn't the only wonderful, amazing child out there, that there were a whole lot more that weren't getting any care and love. And, and so then I, I left working with the nuns and went to work to open up my own children's home at that point. And that's how Nancy Bailey found herself in the middle of what would become a growing trade between nations, adoption. Guatemala had just ended a long and bloody civil war. There were many orphaned and abandoned children. And up north, in the United States, there was a great demand for adoptable infants. But Nancy wasn't interested in the business side of adoption. She had a vision for a distinct kind of children's home in Guatemala. You know, I wanted something very different, and I wanted it to be in a, in a, in a beautiful place. I wanted them to have freedom to run and play. And I wanted to be able to work with those kids that, that would be hard to place. We, we placed a number of children that had HIV. She called her home Semillas de Amor, it means seeds of love. Part of the U.S. Embassy requirements were that children were tested for HIV. So when a child tested positive for HIV, these kids were basically just sort of tossed away. And, um, and nobody wanted to adopt them when, in fact, most of those children were either were, were totally fine and just had their birth mother's antibodies and, and were very adoptable, or... These children were truly HIV positive, and we had some kids that were a little bit older that were HIV positive. We were able to find homes for those kids. We were able to find homes for kids with Down syndrome and other special needs. Semillas de Amor became a popular place for unwanted children. We had children left at our doorstep 
in a basket. The kids had nice toys and music lessons. Older children rode the bus to an international school in the colonial capital of Antigua. We had birth mothers who came to us while they were pregnant, asking if they could place their child in adoption. While Bailey was trying to make a home for the most vulnerable kids, other homes for unwanted children were cropping up across the country. There was supply and there was demand. For American couples seeking to adopt, Guatemala was just a relatively short plane right away. And adoption seemed easier there than in other countries. Oh, I went from laughing to crying. Are you hungry? Yes. Tiene hambre. The scene is Guatemala City's Aurora Airport, circa 2005. Flights to the United States were often crowded with couples carrying home little brown Guatemalan babies. I'm a single parent and will be a single parent and I just getting older and not in a relationship and I wanted a child. God gave me the desire and he put Guatemala on my heart and said this is where he went and he chose Jeremiah and so that's been great. With so many adoption dollars coming into the country, adoptions in Guatemala soon became a booming and lucrative business. It also became increasingly corrupt. Investigative reporter Aaron Siegel McIntyre has written two books about that corruption. Um, in Guatemala, it was so, so easy to manufacture paperwork, manufacture an identity, pay off a judge, pay off a lawyer. The vast majority of adoption cases did have irregularities. This industry was pretty much corrupt to the core. Guatemala's UN-sponsored anti-corruption commission has documented over 3,000 cases of irregular adoptions in the late 2000s. All this began to raise international red flags. The U.S. State Department and UNICEF lobbied for adoptions to cease entirely and for Guatemala to adopt the International Hague Treaty Governing Adoptions. In 2007, the Guatemalan government set up a new agency, El Consejo Nacional de Adopciones, the National Council on Adoptions. The CNA worked to encourage keeping children in Guatemala. Rudy Cepeda is the CNA spokesperson. The noble quality of adoption, says Cepeda, was lost over time. The number of children adopted had grown from 50 or 100 per year to a point where, in just one year, 5,000 children were given up in adoption. That was 2007, the year that Little Guatemala, a country of then 14 million, nearly surpassed China with its huge population of over 1 billion in the number of babies it exported for adoption. Then, in December of that year, all new foreign adoptions In time, anyone connected with adoptions was seen as suspect. A hysteria had developed in many Guatemalan communities. Foreigners were accused of stealing babies. Local news programs reported cases of strangers being lynched in some outlying Guatemalan communities accused of robbing infants and young children to sell to foreigners. Nancy Bailey says shutting down adoption didn't end the corruption, and it didn't solve the problem of children who had no homes left to go to. 
So Nancy fought to legally keep the children she cared for at Semillas de Amor. She wanted to keep taking care of them in the only home they had known and to keep them out of government custody. To be blunt, my mom didn't make any friends there, you know. She really fought hard and legally to, to protect those kids. And that made a lot of people angry. 42-year-old Joel Peters is Nancy Bailey's biological son. There are certain people in, in the government that would love nothing more than to point a finger at an American, to say, oh, look, they come down here and they do this, they take advantage and they take our kids and they sell them, right? I, think that I, th I do think that there is a, there is a contingent here that, that would like that. Joel, like his mom, also ended up living abroad, in his case, Taiwan. His little sister, Gabby, had gone to stay with him to study Mandarin. The little Guatemalan girl who Nancy fell in love with and nursed and raised was now 16 years old. So in March of 2012, Nancy Bailey went to visit them both. I arrived in Taiwan. I checked my email and there was a message from my secretary saying that our home was being was being raided, right? They climbed over the gate with all their guns and firepower, and um, and and we had probably at that time maybe 14 kids, and there were like over 50 people with guns. And that's when she discovered there was a warrant out for her arrest in Guatemala. And they said that I had fled the country. She was being charged with, among other things, child trafficking. I was ready to go back right then and there. But her family and friends, they all told her not to go back to Guatemala. Not with an arrest warrant and to wait. They told her that the hysteria surrounding adoptions and her own work would place her at great risk. And I kept saying, but I, I, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything illegal. There's no reason. At first, she listened to them. I came back to California, where I grew up, to Northern California. But she couldn't stop thinking about the children she had left behind. I told them I'd be gone 10 days. I was gone over two years. These are kids that have already been abandoned once. She'd been separated from Gabby and the other daughter she had wanted to adopt, Daisy. Gabby had gone from 16 to 18 in her absence. Daisy was now 14. And the other children at her home children she thought of as her own, she couldn't bear the separation any longer. So in December of 2014, Nancy Bailey decided to return to Guatemala, this time through El Salvador. There was somebody from the Ministry of Publico, who was the prosecutor's office, that said that it would be okay to come back. But despite all that, she was arrested at the border. And I walked over the border into Guatemala where the Guatemalan police put me in the truck. And then they took me to jail. It's, gonna, it's going to sound pretty crazy, but I was relieved to be back. I was relieved knowing that at some point I was going to see my kids again. I miss them so much. And, and I was so relieved that we were going to finally be able to deal with this. You know? I just, I just felt like it, was, it, just had, it just had to be dealt with. And the truth had to come out. And the, and, and the lies had to, we had to shine the light on the lies. Bailey was taken to Santa Teresita Women's Prison in Guatemala City. You know, when I think of Santa Teresa, I think of, I think of myself, you know, being there. But as, 
it's like you can't really just think of yourself. I think of everybody else who's in there. And I think of the faces that I see and the little kids that I see and what their futures are really hold for them, which is probably non-existent. Um, and so there's a tremendous amount of hopelessness and um, depression. Santa Teresita Prison was built to hold 300 women. It now holds over 1,200 people, including over 50 children. Bailey often shared a cell with as many as five women at a time. You know, I'm fortunate I have a bed. A lot of women, a lot of women sleep on the floor. There's not any kind of real ventilation in there, and it was unbelievably horrible. I cannot see how people just don't have a riot on a daily basis in those places. Prison has given Nancy Bailey a lot of time to think about the concept of freedom, for instance. I never even gave my freedom any thought. From the United States, I expect justice, and then, I, and then I'm in a country where there is no justice, or, or justice is something you pay for. Nancy's health has deteriorated while in prison. She suffers from fibromyalgia and has had constant urinary tract infections while under arrest. Often, it's been a struggle to get medical attention. In Guatemala, there are no jury trials. Instead, it is judges who determine the fate of the accused. Nancy Bailey's trial took place from late April to May of 2017, five years after charges were brought against her. Three women judges heard the testimony, which would decide Bailey's fate. The case against Nancy Bailey was based principally on the uncorroborated testimony of a disgruntled former administrator of the Semillas de Amor home. Gloria Patricia Aldana turned state's witness in return for a reduced sentence after she herself was charged with adoption fraud. Nancy Bailey's major crime, say her supporters, is that she placed too much trust in Aldana. They began a social media campaign calling for justice for Nancy Bailey. One goal was to get the U.S. Embassy more involved. The embassy's counselor and legal staff attended the trial but wouldn't comment on the case. Friends and supporters also attended. My name's Rowan Daly. I'm a, uh, my sister in Alaska has adopted two kids from Guatemala, or actually three, but two from Nancy. Um, and so she has the greatest respect for Nancy Bailey, and I decided to come down here and show some support for Nancy. While Bailey and her friends and supporters waited anxiously for the verdict, so did her family her grown sons, her Guatemalan daughters, Gabby and Daisy, and the other children waiting for her at Semillas de Amor. Ten years ago, when international adoption was shut down in Guatemala, these were among the children up for adoption at Nancy Bailey's Semillas de Amor home. Nancy Bailey committed to raising and educating them as her own. And it's not just those 10 kids. It's also the two girls she adopted, Daisy and Gabby. Gabby, the sick and dying girl the nuns gave up for dead. The little girl who started Nancy on this journey. Um, my name is Gabriella Bailey. I'm 
currently 21 years old, just finished my first year at college. She knows some people call Nancy a child trafficker, but Gabby just calls her mom. Anyone can say what they want about my mom. I will always know that without her. One, I probably would not have made it. She gave me that first stepping stone to make a life for myself. Just the fact that I finished my first year at university studying biochemistry. That is not something that people like myself, that's not the kind of life we get to live. And when I say people like myself, I mean the indigenous of Guatemala. We do not get such a luxury. We do not get such an opportunity. But the first person who gave me a chance was my mom. Prosecutor Roy Rodriguez asked the judges to issue a 24-year prison sentence for Nancy Bailey. The prosecution also asked the judges to close Semillas de Amor, the children's hope Nancy had grown from a seed. Everything now hinged on the judge's decision. Nancy and her family, her extended family, waited. It wasn't just Nancy's future on the line. For her kids, it was their futures, too. Finally, after 5 p.m. on May 17th, the judges convened the court and announced their verdict. Judge Maria Eugenia Castellanos pronounced Bailey absolved on all three counts. It was a victory, but not a complete one. Even after being found not guilty, Nancy had to post a $14,000 bail in order to be released into house arrest. That house arrest confines her to her small, county-sized home province, while the prosecution appeals the verdict. And the appeals process could drag on for two and a half more years. But all that seems so small when compared with one fact. Nancy Bailey is back with her kids. I feel like a beauty queen. Thank you. Yeah, so it's Teresa Diet. <laughs> no food. You guys ready for some pizza? These days, she's free to go to restaurants in Antigua, though not to the children's home she founded, which is in a neighboring province. Are you guys happy? Yes. Her gratitude for her limited freedom is mixed with the fear it may be taken away. I don't think I'll ever ever feel safe in this country again. And not that I felt terribly safe because of the amount of violence and the, and the violence is increasing, but that's not, the, that's, that's not my fear. I mean, and I've been so close to the violence with the, living with gang members that that's not even my fear. My fear is the government and my fear is the legal system. Anything could happen, anybody can point their finger at you and say, she did this, she did that, she did this. And the next thing you know, you're in, in jail. 
She has another worry, her health. A recent biopsy reveals she may have developed bladder cancer while in prison. Bailey wants to travel to the United States for further medical attention, but that, she fears, may mean one more fight with the Guatemalan legal system. Still, she says, she's determined to see the legal process through, to make sure that the kids of Semillas de Amor get a good education, and to do what she can to make Guatemala a better place for unwanted children. Because way too many people turn their back. It's somebody else's problem. Not my country, not not my problem. It's like in, in the situation where my daughter came into my life. I was so shocked by how many people, in fact, everybody, saying, You're, you can't do that. You're going to get into trouble. You don't want to take that kind of risk. When you're an advocate for kids, you have to take risks. And, and being an advocate for kids in Guatemala is probably one of the most dangerous things there is. I mean, it's probably much easier to be a narcotics trafficker in Guatemala than an advocate for kids. Thanks to Maria Martin, who reported this story. And special thanks to Lori Stern, who helped report the story of Nancy Susan Bailey. You're listening to Cued Up. I'm Sandhya Dirks. Cued Up's senior editor is Julia McAvoy. The executive producers are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Thanks for listening. <laughs>